0: What an awesome time! Hey, give somebody a fist bump and say, "Man, you look good today, looking good." If don't be weird though. If you're single and the person sitting next to you, you don't know them. Don't 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 say that. Just you have to use discretion. Just because somebody with a microphone tells you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. Hey guys, man, what a great day! Uh, I just have a couple comments to make today about yesterday's debacle that the refs beat Oregon, and Oregon is the best team ever. And uh, go Ducks forever. So that's how I feel about that. Enough enough said. Um, and go, Beavs. Beat the Huskies. Come on, let's give the beavers some love. That's, that's a pretty big win. What a great time in the presence of God this morning. Just loved being in worship. What an awesome time. There's so much power uh, in praise and so much power in worship, despite whatever circumstances, whatever battles you're facing. You know, even as we, we sang today, this is how I fight my battles. And you can feel when we lift up our praise to the Lord and we lift up our worship uh, number one, that's what we're supposed to do, as a, as uh, re- reflective of who God is, and He's worthy, and He's worth our worship, regardless of what's going on. But there is actually power, and God moves in our situations as we lift up our hands and we worship Him. You can feel His presence come in the room, and and God is here fighting those battles. So, so excited that we're doing that today. We have a real treat this morning. Our dear friends Mike and Crystal Silva are here with us, and we're so honored to have you guys be with us. and Some of you know them, some of you don't, and so uh, instead of me stumbling through trying to explain just how amazing these wonderful people are and what they do, we're actually going to play a video for you that shows you Mike Silva International, their ministry, where they do crusades all over the world and have seen hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in Christ through the work that they do. And so we're going to watch that video, and then Mike is going to share a message that I'm excited again to hear. I heard it in first service and I, and I, I said, wow, that was incredible. I was a little jealous because I'm not as good of a preacher. Uh, and we get to hear that again today. So we're going to watch the video and then we'll ha- hear from Mike.
1: Thank you for your kindness. Thank you so much for your kindness and thank you to Joy Church. We are able to do what we do because of you. Every place we go, we represent the Lord Jesus. Every place we go we go there because you've equipped us and enabled us to be able to go. So if there's anything in that video that you saw and you thought to yourself, I could do that, then you just happen to have an opportunity. It's actually in 14 months from now, it's in Santiago, in La República Dominicana, uh, and in December, December two and three, the first Friday, Saturday of December 22. So some are thinking, but that's 14 months. It's going to take time uh, for us. It takes our team a year. Our team will move in January, this January, 22. Our team will move there, 12 individuals from eight different countries in Latin America will move in to begin discipling and training and encouraging and equipping to be able to prepare for uh, the nights of harvest that the Lord will give. So if you'd like to be a part of that, if you'd like to share your story to um, children or Um, high schoolers, college-age people, business professionals. If you could see yourself doing that, we have uh, ministries where we're drilling freshwater wells in communities that don't have that. That's because of you. We're able to bring electricity into communities that don't have that. That's because of you. And the way it works in so many countries in the world, if you don't have fresh, clean water, you can't have a school for the children. If you don't have electricity, you can't have a school for the children. So by God's grace, we're able to push that domino to bring fresh water into a village and bring electricity into a village, and that puts pressure on the government to be able to build a school, staff a school, and begin training children, and that's very important to us. Eighty-six percent of the world, the diseases are caused because of contaminated water, and that just shouldn't be. And so we thank God that we have the opportunity to be able to go places where they don't have fresh water available to them, and we can make that happen. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we would love to have you be on the team. And I'll just add, if because we live in Oregon, December is, it just happens to be a great time in the Caribbean. Now, that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, if Jesus is calling you, then it just might be good timing. That, that's all I'm saying, is if you, would, if you would like to be able to do that. So thank you so much. Pastor Jake, Pastor Bethany, we love you. We honor you. We love your family. I just called uh, their daddy it, it, between the services just to tell them how much, I, how much I love them and how much I honor them. And Joy Church, to be able to see, last time we were with you, we were in the theater. And so uh, though I miss the popcorn, I love this facility. And so I just want, you to know, just want you to know that. So thank you all for your kindness. Thanks for supporting us. We, we have um, uh, four churches in Oregon that support us, and Joy is one. And so we just wanna say thank you so much. Speaking specifically about Pastor Jake, it reminded me, I mean, I, I heard this story, I, I think it's true, um, I, I think, and it was a couple of springs ago, he had to buy a lawnmower to be able to do his lawn. And so as he was walking in the community near their home, he saw a little boy had a for sale sign and he was selling the lawnmower and several toys, and several other things that the household was selling, you know, on a yard sale. So Pastor Jake, being kind as he is, he went up to the little boy and how much for the lawnmower? And the little boy told him, does it work? Yes, sir. Wonderful. So he decided, I think I'll I need a lawnmower, and so I think I'll just get the lawnmower, and I'm helping him, and I'm getting a lawnmower, and that's great. So he takes it home. He pushes it home. He uh, says it's time for him to mow the lawn, so he checks the oil, checks the gas, everything's fine, sets the choke, gives it a pull, nothing happens. Eh, Typical. Most lawnmowers don't start on one pull, so he pulls it again and again. Pretty soon, Pastor Jake, that's what Pastor Bethany says, she was looking out the kitchen window and he begins to pull, that's what what I heard the story was, and he began to pull harder and harder and harder and harder and then in absolute frustration, he grabbed that lawnmower and in a holy way, he took it back to the little boy that he had purchased it from and he says to the little guy, he said, excuse me, son, this lawnmower does not start. Yes, it will. No, it doesn't, son. And the little boy says to him, well, sir, you just need to curse at it a little, and then it'll start. (laughs) Pastor Jake looks at him and, well, son, I'm a man of the cloth, and I forget how to curse. Little man says, Padre, then if I was you, I'd keep pulling, because it's going to come back to you real quick. (laughs) So, I don't know if that's true, but I sure like the story. But, church, can I share something with you? Did you know that hope works like that? It will. Hope works like that. It does. It will work for you if you keep at it, watch this, and do not quit. Isn't it amazing how easy we quit these days? We quit all kinds of things these days. But I just want to encourage you. Hope is like that. It will work if you just keep at it and do not, do not, do not, do not quit. If you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 14. I love this book. Exodus chapter 14. If you don't have one, we're going to put the the slide up on, on the on the screen for you, but here's, here's the passage, Exodus chapter 14 and verse one through four. May I just say something? The Israelites, remember, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they were slaves for 400 years. Do you know what that means? That would be like, Pastor Nikki. that's like all of your lifetime, all of your parents' lifetime, all of your grandparents' lifetime, all of your great-grandparents' lifetime, and possibly your great-great-great-grandparents' lifetime. For all of that period of time, this nation were slaves. This nation served the Egyptian people for that amount of time. So it's in the midst of that that they get released. And then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Moses was the mouthpiece. By the way, you all know that, that Exodus, just the word Exodus in Hebrew, it means the road out the road out. I don't know if you've been on the tube, the metro um, in Great Britain, but in the tube, you don't go here in this country, our culture, our country, we use exit signs. In fact, there's a couple there in your building. We use exit signs. If this were Great Britain, it it would say the way out. They don't use the word exit, they use the way out. Exodus means here, it means the road out. Can I just start by encouraging you? I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're involved with. I don't know what you feel like has you trapped or not trapped. What has you bound or not bound. But can I tell you this? I have found, we have found, uh, that Almighty God's word, it is the road out. From wherever you have been, wherever you are, this is the road out he is the road out so that's just that's just to be able to encourage you so the lord gave these instructions to moses order the israelites to turn back and ca- whoa, whoa 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 turn back if you're moving in one direction and the instructions say stop turn around and go back it's like wait a minute isn't that the opposite of progress are you sure you know what you're doing? Are these the correct instructions? They are. And then he says, I want you to turn back, go back and camp by Baharoth uh, between Migdal and the sea and camp there along the shore across from uh, Baal Can we have that map? Is it possible to show that map and just pop that up here? So here's where we are. See the Gulf of Suez there? That would be the Red Sea. Follow the line up and then see the crossing at the Red Sea there on the right, crossing at the Red Sea. Now go to the left and just up about Albany and then there it is, um, Paharath. And then it just said Migdal. So the Lord said, I want you to camp in Paharoth. It's between Migdal. See, Migdal going straight up I-5. That's what the dotted line is. And that Salem there is equal to Migdal. And so the Lord is saying, I want you to camp between Migdal and the sea. And the place I want you to camp at is Paharoth. You might say, wow, you know how to say that. It's because my wife is a local Silverton girl, one of the farm girls' roths from Salem, uh, Silverton. That's how I learned how to say that word. So then he says this. Then Pharaoh said that the Israelites will be confused and the Israelites will think. Did you know that you don't have to believe everything you think? Just a thought. They'll think uh, that they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, the Lord says, and he will chase after you. Watch this, church. I have planned this. Did you hear what's happening? Are you grasping that? God is directing his people, like us, God is directing his people from point A to point B. In the midst of point A to point B, God says, stop, turn around, go the other way. God, that doesn't make sense. Do it. Why? Because I have planned this. It gets better. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, watch this, after this, after the path that you're on, after the time when you feel like you're trapped, after the time where you feel like there is no hope for me, it is in the midst of that time that I have planned, the Lord says. After this, the Egyptians, basically the Egyptians, you could cross that out and basically you can put the ducks. I, I think in the Hebrew, that's, that's what they were talking about. After this, the ducks will know that I, that I am the Lord. So the Israelites encamp there as they were told. Well, that's the passage. It's it's encouraging to me that Almighty God has a plan, even though we don't think so. And so I think lesson number one for us today could be this. Don't judge my choices. If God could say something to us, or if there could be a new sign on I-5 on a billboard, it would say this. I believe it would say this. Probably the closer that you get to Corvallis, it would say this. Don't judge my choices without knowing my reasons, God. Don't judge my choices without knowing my reasons. I was reminded of that recently in that we were just in Amarillo, Texas, Leaving there, we did uh, an outreach there in Amarillo, we're on a plane, we're leaving Amarillo, we're going to uh, DFW, the people from the nation of Texas, they don't say DFW, they say DFW, DFW, that's how they say it, it's DFW, and so we were headed to DFW. And as we're on our way, everybody is in, everybody is seated, flight attendant jumps on, you know what they say, welcome to the flight, and blah, 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 blah. But this flight attendant said, by the way, if any of you left your carry-on by the front door here, please ring your flight attendant call button and let us know that it's yours. No response, no response. Minutes later, flight attendant says it again, ladies and gentlemen, someone left a carry-on bag up here at the front door. Whose bag is that? Is this your bag? If it's your bag, please press your flight attendant call button. No response, silence. I'm beginning to think to myself, is the entire plane full of idiots? That's what I was thinking. That's what pastor was thinking. And so we wait for a few more minutes, wait for a few more minutes, wait for a few more minutes. The flight attendant says one more time, ladies and gentlemen, would you all look up here, please? Would you all please look up here? So people were, there's just two seats and two seats, the, the little tiny regional planes, you know, and you could see the people on the, on the aisles, they, they were leaning in to be able to look up at the flight attendant. She was holding the little carry-on bag, as she said, like this. She said, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot close the door. We cannot have an on-time departure unless we know whose bag this is. Whose bag is this? Please ring your flight attendant call button. No response, no response, silence. I'm thinking to myself, you have got to be kidding. That's like going to Burger King and having them say, and and you order a number seven and they say, yeah, well, we don't have fries because of, well, we don't, we're out of fries. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how, how can somebody not be doing all of this? So here's what happened. She waited. Pretty soon, a lady that we actually know, um, Pauline was her name, she was with us in our group going with us to DFW, and she's walking up the center aisle, and she gets up to the flight attendant. She's talking to the the flight attendant, and they're doing all of this, they're doing all that. She turns around, she comes back, and she sits in her seat. She was back behind us. Flight attendant closes the door, gets on the phone, says to the captain, we are ready to rock, and we were going. So I thought, oh, then that was probably her bag. How embarrassing. It's our friend, and it took her this long to be able to wake up and admit it. When we got to DFW, we were all off the plane, standing there waiting for all the people in our group to be able to come off, and here she comes, pushing a young woman in a wheelchair, and then they hugged, they embraced. Uh, the young woman had somebody meeting her, so they took her and they went off, and our friend turned to us, and we said, what, what's that? She said, she is the sweetest young woman. I was sitting next to her. You guys, she's blind. That's why she didn't ring her flight attendant call button because she couldn't see the announcement. And it hit me, oh my soul, with so much conviction and with so much discouragement in my heart, at that moment, I thought to myself, here's the lesson for me. It's a whole lot safer to keep my judgments to myself until I can see clearly all of the facts. You know what, church, sometimes things will happen to us in our life, and just because we can't see clearly all of the facts, then we have a hard time trusting God, believing God, obeying God, and doing what God says because we can't see the results. I think it's a wonderful thing that Ruth Bell Graham had said at one point. She said, if God had answered every prayer of mine, I would have married the wrong man seven times. You see, church, I'm here to tell you that God has his wise, divine reasons even though we don't always see them or understand them. Are you with me there? Are you with me? It's so true. You see, I just want you to know that enclosed on three sides, so picture the children of Israel. Biblical scholars say it was probably two and a half to three million people when you count men, women, children, and then, of course, all of their livestock. Two and a half to three million people All of a sudden, they're moving down this path. They're trying to find the promised land, and they find themselves in this canyon, much like the canyon that we just drove through yesterday that's totally burnt down, as you know. And we're seeing the walls in that canyon come in, come in, come in like this, and so close to the road, the trees damaged so close to the road, right here on our way, just on the other side of Walterville. Enclosed on three sides with only the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian special forces behind them, they were trapped. The people felt like they were trapped. Did you know that according to Jewish uh, historian Josephus, the Egyptians drove them into a narrow place and the number that pursued them was 600 chariots, the Egyptian special forces, 600 chariots, fifty. 1,000 horsemen and 200,000 footmen all armed. Trapped them in between inaccessible cliffs and the sea. In fact, I think there's a picture of that also. Look at that. The historians and biblical scholars say this could have been the spot. So here you have the Egyptians pressing them, two and a half to three million people trapped in this long corridor, and you see the sea out in front of you there in the distance. So your choice is in that moment, turn around and fight the enemy that is approaching without military might, military training, weapons of any kind whatsoever, or swim. They would not have survived either. But there's another option. Even though they were trapped on each side with a ridge of mountains, Josephus says, which were impassable by reason of their roughness. So the million-dollar question, church, comes to us, comes to me, and comes to you. The million-dollar question this morning is this. Here's what it is. When stuck between a rock and a hard place, what then should we do As Christian men and Christian women and students, what then should we do in the midst of being stuck between a rock and a hard place? That's where we are right now as a couple. Because tomorrow morning at 10.30, we're going to have a meeting with our oncologist. Our 42-year-old daughter, six months and three days ago, was diagnosed with stage four inoperable colon cancer. Things are not looking good. That could be confirmed for us tomorrow morning at 10.30. If there's ever a time that is a daddy that I <laughs> that I felt trapped and I don't like it, but I feel trapped. I can't go this way, the cliffs are there. can't go this way, the cliffs are there. I could never swim it and make it and survive and I can't fight it. So what do I do? Have you ever felt trapped? Have you ever felt like you're in a place and you don't know where to go and how to escape and how to get out? If you feel like that even today, can I give you the encouragement from God's word that he has given to us and that is this. In that kind of situation, the first thing we've gotta do is believe in hope. Why believe in hope, why? Because God has a purpose for your pain, friend. He has a purpose for your pain and a reason for your struggles and a reward for your faithfulness. God has a purpose, a reason, and a reward for your faithfulness. It's interesting that verse 2 says, chapter 14 and verse 2, God only knows where you are, but you know what the Scripture teaches us here? God only knows where you are. God knows where they were. God knows where we are. Watch this. And he may have planned it exactly like that. Let me show you what the scripture says. Ser sano en el nombre de Jesús. I mean, be healed in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Please don't forget this. It was God who led his people from Egypt to the Red Sea. God did that. God planned that. It was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through, 2, 1 through 2, for 40 days and 40 nights. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus there. It was Jesus himself, Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. Jesus himself said to his disciples, come on, boys, let's go to the other side of the lake, knowing full well that there would be a massive storm in the middle of that ocean there, in the middle of the the Lake Sea of Galilee. God planned that. So the question I want to ask you today is just simply this, where might God be leading you? So that it it seems like a big mistake It seems like this cannot be true. It seems like I'm going in this direction, everything is going well, and all of a sudden God says, stop, turn around, go in another place. Why? I have a plan for you. And you will not, like the woman on the plane, you will not see it. But I'm just asking you to trust me. So I think the first thing we need to do as a church is we've got to believe in hope and commit ourselves to believe in hope again and again and again and again. Even if you don't feel like you see a way out, believe in hope. Some of you might be here and say, yeah, but I've got so many doubts. I mean, it's easy for you, but it's, it's not easy for us. But I've got so many doubts. Here's a thought for you. What would happen, friends, if you begin, if we begin, if I begin, what if I would begin doubting my doubts instead of doubting my faith? What would happen then? Imagínate. Think about that. Imagine that. So not only believe in hope, but choose hope. Choose hope. Because the Israelites went from unbelief and fear to faith and trust in light of God's deliverance. Verse 31, same chapter, verse 31. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. Remember the sea opened, the people went through on dry ground. They were filled with awe before him. Oh, that's the purpose of the pain. The people were filled with awe. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. See, there's the purpose of the feeling of being trapped. There's the purpose of the Red Sea. There's the purpose so that all would know, all would know that he is great and greatly to be praised. See, the Israelites show us that it's possible when you feel trapped, boxed in, it's possible to choose hope. You can choose to fight. You probably won't win. You could choose to swim. I'm sure you'll not make it. Or we can believe in hope and choose hope. I love that statement from Jonathan Edwards. He said, I'm, I'm going, I've, got two, I've got two resolutions in my life. Resolution number one, I will live for God. And resolution number two, even if no one else does, I will. And I want to encourage Joy Church to live that way today. I want to encourage that to be our resolution as well. But why choose hope? Because the scripture says in Psalm 25 and verse 3, nobody hopes in the Lord. Nobody who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame. The psalmist is saying there in Psalm 25, the psalmist doesn't mean that we won't ever wonder if we made the right choice. No, 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 no. The psalmist is not saying that, that maybe we will never have second thoughts. No, 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 no. Or that every dream that we have will always take place. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's saying in the midst of your current situation, mountains and all, cliffs and all, box canyon and all, trust him, believe in him, choose him. Here's what he means. He means that when we choose to put our hope in God, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the eternal glory that he will give us later. Tears rolling down our cheeks. We went to see our daughter and love her before we came here. Tears flowing down all of our cheeks. She said, hey, mama, daddy. (laughs) It's going to be okay. I think God has chosen me <laughs> to walk this path. I'm so glad it's not you. My, my little sisters couldn't live without you. I'm glad it's not my three sisters. They, they got babies. They, I think God has chosen me for this time. My friend is a parent. I'm thinking to myself as she's speaking, God, there's got to be a plan B. There's got to be another option. One thing's for sure, Psalm 103 says that he's going to heal us all someday. Now it may be here and it may be there. It may be here, it may be there, but one thing's for sure, he will heal us all at some point, someday, he will. And that's why we trust him. We can believe in hope, we can choose hope, we can stand in hope, because you know as well as I do, there are times that we have to stand. There's times when we say we're going through difficult times and there's times that we say, well, what do I do? Pastors, what do we do? What do I do? What do I do? You stand there and you watch God at work. You stand there and you believe in hope and choose hope. Because there are times coming like that. Moses said, this is a time to stand still, verse 13. Be strong and see the salvation of the Lord. Psalm 46 in verse 1, the Bible says, for God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help us in times of need and trouble. You see, friends, if at this week you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, and we all have, or we all will be in that spot. When you feel trapped and boxed in and confused, my encouragement to us is just stand in hope. What is hope? Pastor Mike, here's what it is hope is trusting God when you can't see, like our new friend on the plane. You can't see or understand his plan. What is hope? Hope is remembering the right path is not always the easiest one. Did you hear hear that? It's not always the easiest one. Hope is asking God to make a way out that will move you from where you are to where you want to be. So my friends, I say it again, please, I ask you again, Joy, please, please do not doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. Please do not doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. I mean, that's like the smartest thing I've ever said. (laughs) And it will change us if we only would grab a hold of that. I mean, what would happen if you begin to doubt your doubts before you would doubt your faith? It's for this reason I ask you, please, church, please believe in hope today. Choose hope today. Stand in hope today and wait for hope. Wait, wait. None of us like to wait. (laughs) I don't like to wait. I feel like I'm being persecuted like the early Christian martyrs when I have to stand in a bank line for five minutes waiting for a teller. Sometimes I think to myself... You know, if I, only knew, if I only knew now what God is going to do in the future, that would help me be able to wait with integrity, character, if I just knew. So God, don't keep any secrets with me. Just tell me everything you have planned. Come on, God, just everything you've got planned, everything you're gonna do, just skip. Listen, I know you can't share with everybody, so I, they're not important, but if you'll tell me, if you'll tell me, look, I could honor you better. And it's as if the Holy Spirit said to me, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, I wish you would trust me before I tell you what's going to happen. Wait for hope. Wait for hope. If I just knew, but we don't. True story, a friend of mine, he just lives up I-5 a ways. A friend of mine, his name is Steve, he... He didn't get married until he was 41. As a 22-year-old college senior, he saw his friends getting engaged, he says, and planning their weddings, and he prayed earnestly, oh God, oh God, when will it be my turn? When will it be my turn? One weekend, he's driving someplace. He looks over at the empty seat beside him, and he said to me, as he recounted the story, I felt overpowering sadness that no love in my life was sitting next to me. But then he said, the next thought came to my mind. What what if at that very moment, God had said to him and spoken audibly and said, Steve, you will have a wife one day. Yes, you'll have a wife one day and you'll also be married one day. In fact, Steve, her name is Lisa. He said, I began to smile. Her name is Lisa. She lives in Medford. She's beautiful. She has gorgeous hair and beautiful eyes. But Steve, wait for her because she's 12 years old. <laughs> None of us like to wait. You see, the only thing harder, though, than waiting on God, we're finding in this in this little journey that we're walking as a family right now, my friends, the only thing, listen, the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. It's wishing that you had. You see, it's for this reason that I'm just going to beg you again. I beg you, please. I beg you. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up, if we do not give up. So I don't know what you're up against these days. I've told you what our canyon is. I wish there was another way out. I don't know what you're facing. We're not the only ones that have been trapped before. We're not the only ones that have lost people before. So I would ask you right now as we just close our service here, I'd ask you to just reach forward to the chair in front of you. Would you please grab your I have decided to follow Jesus card? Could you please just grab that? I just, I just would like to give you two things to do. Number one, grab the card, please. Number one, just grab the card. And here's number two. I'm gonna ask you to mark that card in a way that is brave, For you, for some of you, you are here right now and you would say, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, I would say this. I'm sorry to say this, but I say this. If your diagnosis was our daughter's diagnosis, do you know where you're gonna spend eternity? (laughs) And if you say, "I, I don't know for sure, that I'm gonna ask you to do two things. Number one, you grab the card. And number two, you just, you just check that box. I want to follow Jesus. I'm asking you, church, I'm just asking you to be brave. You know what my daughter taught me? She, she's been teaching her daddy something about bravery. Do you know, friends, that bravery has nothing to do with feelings? Bravery is an action. It's an action. This is the action I take, and that makes you brave. There might be some of you here. Maybe you're like the people that file in every home game. An it's in stadium maybe you're a great spectator at joy church wouldn't it be cool to just put on the jersey one time and be on the field just once engage maybe the act that's going to be brave for you is to say i want to take the next step or the next track i want to take the, i want to take the step of taking the next step track then just check that box. Would you pray with me, please? Because I believe that somebody here is going to say, I want to know for sure that I know Jesus as my Savior. And maybe you're here and you would say, with all that I've got going on in my life, I need courage and faith and hope and trust and confidence. And I need to learn how to stand and wait like never before. Then pray this prayer with me out loud. Lord Jesus. Come on, church, everybody. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I know you're the Savior and I'm asking you right now would you please forgive my sin and save my soul? I want to take a brave step today to be the man or woman that you would have me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.